creating madness. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what's happening? Not much. How are you today, John? I'm doing good. Uh, Texas yesterday got the most crazy and scary and heartbreaking yet satisfying dub of my life. We'll talk about that later in the episode. I'm feeling great. Uh, Ethan, I think Illinois had a bit of up and down recently, but for the most part, Kobe's back. You had a thriller game against Northwestern. I think you're pretty happy about that performance too. Yep. 2-0 on this week. We move on to Wisconsin in the next, but we'll get into that later. Pretty exciting stuff for our teams, but we also have a really exciting episode because last week college basketball was, again, great like it always is. Uh, and before we talk about that, let's talk about real quickly Unwrapped Sports. Uh, they're our sponsors, and we thank them so much for providing us a network to uh, you know, talk about college basketball, and we, we appreciate them a lot. But uh, Unwrapped Sports has a lot of socials. You know, They have Instagram. They have Twitter, they have a YouTube, they have YouTube highlights, they even have a TikTok. And we also have all those too. So Ethan, why don't you tell everyone about our socials? Well, our YouTube, Creating Madness, go check it out. We post our stream stream highlights. John actually finally made it on for the first time in what seems ever this past <laughs> week. That was fun. We have ATR Madness, which is our Twitter. Anytime there's an episode, tweet, anytime there's big news. And we have our... Instagram underscore creating madness where we have a college basketball group chat, which is always popping. Yep. Uh, and once again, make sure you check out our Twitter, Instagram. Those are where we go to hardest. Uh, we are on YouTube though. So every single Thursday we'll have streams and stream highlights following. So make sure you check that out. Uh, without further ado, bills are paid. Let's get on right into the show. So first topic, as we always do, let's go over last week's games of the week. You got Arizona, UCLA, Texas, Kansas, Kentucky, Versus, or sorry, UCLA versus Arizona, Texas versus Tennessee, Kentucky versus Kansas, Kansas versus Texas Tech, and Xavier versus Providence. But why don't we start off with Arizona versus UCLA. Ethan, what happened in this matchup? Well, for Arizona UCLA, we expected this to be a good game. I think you would agree with me on that, right, John? I think we expected this to be really a good game. I think coming into this game, Everyone had the sights on potentially game of the year candidate. And can you take a guess what happened? What? Well, Garcia for the Arizona Wildcats went 0 of 12 from the field, 0 of 9 from 3. Benedict Matherin went 5 of 22 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Larson went 4 of 10 from the field. At least Coloco had over 50% 5 of 8. And then Terry went 0 of 5. The entire Wildcats team shot 31% from the field, 25% from three, and 55% from free throw. Whereas UCLA had one of their best shooting nights at 50% from the field goal, 47% from three, and then three of five from free throw. As you can tell, UCLA won this just by those stats alone, 75-59. And it was even scoring. Jaime Hoskins, Bernard... Juzang, Campbell, Riley all had nine or more with the mo- with Bernard and Juzang having 15 apiece. UCLA had even scoring. They all shot the ball well. They weren't shucking up 23s and missing 18 of them. UCLA played a good game of basketball. And if they managed to do this, they belong in Tier 1 in our tier list. But they're at now at the number seven seed for a reason in the AP poll. 
Yeah, that was a great game, but a disappointing performance by Arizona. Jinko just did not have the game we expected him to, and we'll see if they can rebound from this. But they're not going to get much better competition than UCLA within their own conference this year, so we'll have to wait for that matchup to happen again, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but moving on, to our, <clears throat> moving on to our next game. <clears throat> Sorry about that. We have Texas versus Tennessee uh, in Austin at the Frank Irwin Center. This is a fantastic matchup. Uh, these are two very defensive oriented teams uh and they showed it in this game with a combined score of 103 points not a lot of these teams uh not, neither of these teams had guys who were getting it down the offensive end particularly well but one guy who stuck out for the Longhorns was Courtney Ramey Courtney Ramey had a phenomenal game six of ten for the field four of eight in three-point land and had just a big 18 points he was hitting clutch shots throughout the entire game uh and they helped Texas get up to a really big lead, which they lost, but still managed to win the game. Uh, in large part to Tennessee's Sakai Ziegler. Uh, this is a 5'9 freshman from Long Island, New York. And I was watching the TV broadcast last night, and this kid had one offer from Tennessee after an AAU showcase, walked in the first week of school. Nobody even knew who he was, but now he's getting near starters minutes at the end. Uh, he even went in for Kennedy Chandler, <clears throat> Tennessee's supposed to start point guard, near the end of the game and took over his spot and almost won them the game, making clutch shot after clutch shot towards the end of the game. This is a thriller. Texas was up by 16, uh, with about five minutes left to go, and Tennessee brought it all the way down to uh, to one point. But Texas still managed to win, uh, and it was a phenomenal game. But moving on from that game, Ethan, why don't we talk about Kentucky versus Kansas? Well, this is the same sort of thing. This game, Kansas was actually favored by five. Kansas, at home, built self as only, this was the 16th loss in his career at home in Allen Fieldhouse. And I think this might be the biggest loss that they've taken in Allen Fieldhouse. Don't quote me on that. But an 80-62 to 62 loss to the Jayhawks just couldn't get it done. They were outscored by 20 in the first half, 51 to 31, and then in the second half, they at least semi-stopped the Wildcats but couldn't get much done on offense. 80-62, Kentucky dominated, and key piece to that is going to be Oscar Shibway having 17 and 14, and also Keon Brooks. Keon Brooks had a dominant game with 27 points, shooting lights out across the field, 9 of 16. Ty Washington had a freshman moment shooting one and nine, but that's all right. Kentucky got it done. Jacob Topton, Jacob Toplin was a key role player with 11 points off the bench. As for Kansas, Ochai Baji had one of his worst games, 4 of 14, 13 points, 2 of 6 from 3. Christian Braun, 5 of 11, 13 points. This Kansas team, I thought that they would be able to make a run. Potentially. And now I'm kind of... I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Jayhawks. Want to move into what was the two best games, John? I know you agree. Uh, Yeah, that was, a, that was a very interesting game. But we're going to move on to um, another game Kansas featured in, in which they did not show any signs of being scared. Uh, I think it's also one game, so we can chill out on Kansas not living up to their potential. They still have an entire season to prove themselves. But um, in this game, they most certainly did. 
So, um, once again, it was at Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas, playing another tough game against a very good opponent in Texas Tech. Uh, this game went into overtime and then went to double overtime. Uh, this was a thriller like none other. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching this game. <clears throat> Guys like Kevin O'Banner and Bryson Williams and others stepped up in a phenomenal way, but there are also others for Texas Tech like Kevin McCuller shooting one for 11 from the field. And there's also guys like Terrence Shannon Jr. shooting one of 10 for the field. And these were the reasons, uh, those two were mainly the reason why they lost in the offensive end. They just shot atrociously, two of 21 from the field combined. But we got guys like Bryson Williams going for 33 and 14 of 19 shooting. We got guys like Kevin O'Banner going for 17 on six of eight shooting. And um, they attacked They taxed 10 minutes onto this game, obviously, because, you know, it's a regular 40 minutes. Now it's 50 minutes. So this is an NBA-sized portion of the game. So we got to see what these two teams would be like if they got NBA minutes, which is pretty cool. Uh, as for Kansas, um, there was one guy in particular that stuck out. And that was Otari Baji. He didn't play well versus Kentucky, but good Lord, did he play well versus Texas Tech. 37. 13 or 23 from the field. 7 of 12 from 3. Not to mention he had 7 rebounds as the point guard. Uh, you can't ask for a better performance from this guy. He carried this team offensively. Yeah, he's not the best player on defense, but they've got other guys to handle that for him. Um, and he just played out of his mind. Hats off to Ochai Baji. He played the best game he's had all season. Honestly, if it wasn't for him, this team would have lost. I mean, you got Jalen Wilson going 3 of 10 from the field. you got Christian Braun going 4 of 13. you got Remy Martin going 2 of 7 from the field. I wish I bought you put the team on his back and it was a really full performance to see because that is a player of the year game right there. That's a player of the year moment in a player of the year game. Hats off to him. Uh, as for, it was really just a battle, honestly, between Bryson Williams and um, Ochai Baji. The rest of the players on these teams, maybe outside of Kevin O'Banner, did not have the best game on offense. Uh, and clearly this wasn't a defensive battle either because combined score for this game is 185 points. So this was a really fun game to watch. Disappointing in some aspects, but for other people, it was extremely fun to watch. So I had a great time. Um, why don't we move on to our final game of the week, Ethan? Cover Xavier versus Providence. This one was also an unexpected turnout, and good lord, that was a fun game too. Yeah, Xavier and Providence. These are two teams that are going to be competing in the Big East. One of which for the Big East title is, I think, I think me and you agreed, Providence is definitely up there. But Xavier, they have one problem that they've had all year, and that's the three-point shooting. As a team, they shot 4 of 18, 22% in this game. That's not going to get it done. If you're shooting 4 of 18, you make a couple more of those, you have a very different ball game. I mean, Paul Scruggs did what he could. Zach Fremantle played pretty well. Jack Nungy's starting now. He did good. It's just their sharp shooters and Nate Johnson. done. Along with Adam Kunkel. They just had an off game, but happened at a bad time. As for the Friars, they didn't necessarily shoot the best, but they, they got it done. You have Jared Bynum off the bench with 16, as well as Al Durham, 5 of 16 shooting. But he got it done within the free throw line, 10 of 10, got 22 points on the day. Providence is going to be one of the best teams to watch in March Madness because they're able to shut down the guard spot. They're able to play team basketball. That's going to be really fun to see what happens. Now, if you, and, and Ethan kind of just touched on it there. If you want a team that's going to go far in March Madness, 
let's look at Providence. I mean, I think the only problem they have is guarding very talented. But there's a team that's guard heavy and relying on guards. They shut them down and they shut them down very effectively. Uh, that's why they're having not a lot of problems with a lot of teams in the Big East and out of conference as well. So hats off to the Friars having a great season, but the Musketeers are still a great team. Um, but once again, they didn't show it in another game. They had against Marquette as we move into our surprise games of the week. This happened nearly a week ago, but it still counts in our, under this week. Um, this is Xavier versus Marquette uh, at Marquette. Uh, this wasn't a particularly close game. Marquette won by a solid 11 points. I mean, no one on Xavier played particularly well, uh, not to mention the fact that you had guys like Nate Johnson going 2 of 11 from the field for five points on this team. So that's not really um, what you really want out of them. But Paul Scruggs had an all right game. He had 13 on 5-9 shooting, pretty efficient. He also had three assists to chip in, I guess. Uh, but no one on this team particularly started out. Um, as for Marquette, uh, Justin Lewis just did what Justin Lewis does. Had 20 and 13, two assists. Great overall game for him. Not to mention he, turned, he did not turn the ball over once, uh, even though he has the ball for most of the game. Hats off to him. Uh, guy I want to talk about real quickly, just give him some shine, is Cam Jones, freshman. Uh, he had 12 points off the bench. Good game by him. Uh, but nothing really much else to say here. Marquette was unranked. Xavier is ranked 20. Marquette got the dub. That's why I made the surprise games of the week. Um, and next up, Ethan, why don't you cover what happened in St. John's versus Seton Hall? And we'll talk about Seton Hall later in this episode. But um, let's just say it's not going to be very positive. Yeah, St. John's dominated the Pirates. I mean, their their best player didn't even shoot that good. But then you have Posh Alexander off the bench getting 19 and 7 on 7 and 12 shooting. Julian Champagne shot 2 of 10 for 5 points. That's fine because you have Aaron Wheeler who got 17 and 10. St. John's killed it. As for Seton Hall, this is their rebuilding year. Debatably, but they're not having the best year right now. Well, rebuilding to get to the top of the Big East. Sure. Moving into an SEC game. You want to talk about the Georgia-Alabama? Yep. No, not talking about the football? Uh, no, we're not talking about football here. We're talking about basketball. And uh, same result, actually. Um, Georgia ends up coming out on top, which, uh, once again, was not particularly expected. Um, Georgia was not the favorite in this game, by the way, like the national championship game. But um, they still ended up winning. Um, here's my claim, actually, before I get into this game in particular. Alabama, by far the most inconsistent team in college basketball. As of today, or as of today, what happened yesterday on January 29th was uh, Baylor beat Alabama. Or, sorry, Alabama beat Baylor. Um just goes to show you that uh, this team can beat any team, but also can lose to any team. So they're a very scary team uh, to pick in March Madness for me personally. Um, but yeah, let's go over this game real quickly. So Alabama let Georgia, frankly, get way too many points. Georgia scoring 82 on you is just never anything you want to have to happen. Uh, third play, all right. Uh, he had 20 on decent shooting. He went 20 for 6 of 10. Um, and I guess Keon Ellis played all right. He had 15 points and 5-11 shooting, but J.D. Davidson had seven points on 3-7 shooting. Not too bueno. Um, and Javon Quinterly didn't only, did not really play that much. He had 26 minutes on 2-9 of nine shooting, so he didn't play much and didn't play well. This was just a really bad game for the Crimson Tide, um, and I hope they can rebound later. Uh, as for the Bulldogs, real quickly, they had some guys who stepped up. You had Aaron Cook, who had 15 
really impressive performance by him. He only went hit five of 14 from the field, but he, despite that, he played very well in that game. Um, you also had Cario Oquendo. Uh, he had 11 points, but he was, for the most part, holding down uh, J.D. Davidson and Javon Quinterly. He was a phenomenal defender in this game. And, yeah, he didn't shoot well, but when you play demons like that, it makes up for it, most certainly. But outside of those two, no one really particularly stepped up. I mean, yeah, you have guys who had 13 or 15 there, but for the most part, this team was just very sound defensively by Georgia, for their standards at least. They, Alabama just scored 90, but they managed to hold them under 80, which is great enough for Georgia to win. So hats off to the dogs and Alabama. You just keep on doing your thing because if you can beat Baylor any night, then I still have hope for you. Uh, moving on to our next surprise game, uh, Ethan, why don't you cover Stanford's USC? And why? And also, I'm going to touch on this why after uh, – why USC is the most overrated team in college basketball still, but Ethan, let's hear it. I mean, for the second time this year, Stanford beat USC. It was a team effort. Ingram, Jones, and Delaire all got double digits for the Cardinal. As for the Trojans, I'm not saying much. I'm sorry. If you're USC, you didn't play the worst game in the world. You shot 45% from field, 43 from three. Like, the stats don't tell the whole story, though. You had a six-point lead at the half, and then the Cardinals stormed back for 36 in the second. You got to play some defense there. It was a lower-scoring game, but if you're USC, you cannot allow yourselves to lose Stanford twice. Yep. Um, I think USC is the most overrated team in college basketball because despite having all this hype, the surrounding you know, guys like Isaiah Mobley and uh, Boogie Ellis, who are supposed to be really good players, uh, they haven't got a big win this season. Uh, and they haven't even played Arizona or UCLA yet, so we haven't really seen what they're made of against the top form of competition. But, yeah, they're still in Tier 4 in our tier list, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, this team has not proven enough to the point that they can beat any quality teams. I mean, let's look at their most recent Pac-12 games. They haven't beat anyone of high quality. Maybe the best team they've beaten is Utah, and they're definitely not making the tournament. They're a maybe for the NIT. So, I don't think USC has it. If they start winning some games against some big teams, they can shut me up, but as of right now, I don't see them with anything to show, and they might not even make the tournament if they keep this up. Uh, but moving on from them, we have our final surprise game of the week. LSU versus TCU, and TCU wins, but if this game was a fully healthy game and Tamari Eason and Darius Days has some games under their belt, I'd give this one to LSU. TCU pulls one out in Fort Worth. They win by nine. Uh, it's a great game for the Horned Frogs because uh, they were showing a bit of signs of weakness um, over the last few games, and for LSU, you have your Pinsons on limited minutes. You got Darius Day's back for his first game in forever, and you got Tari Eason back for his first game in forever due to injury. Uh, you got your three best players struggling, not to mention the fact that Adam Miller uh, tore his ACL at the beginning of the season. So this team has just had the injury bug, plain and simple. Teams like Memphis that have had it worse, but it's kind of hard to get worse than LSU this season. Uh, I, I really hope that all their team uh, gets healthy because this is a really fun team to watch when fully healthy. We really haven't seen them much this year. I mean, technically we haven't seen it at all since Adam Miller's ACLs here, but you know, this team fully healthy uh, is gonna be a really good team, and we hope that Xavier Pinson can, can get off limited minutes. And we hope that uh, Tamari Eason and Darius Days can, you know, get more games under their belt without getting injured. So, 
Uh, I'm not going to talk about LSU as much as we're going to talk about TCU. I mean, there's some guys with great performances. You got Chuck O'Bannon Jr. He had 19 on 69 shooting. Very efficient, uh, 19 points there. You also had Mike Miles, who also pitched in 19. He went uh, for 19 on 6 of 14 from the field. And last but not least, Damian Baugh had 14 points total shooting while playing some great defense. Um, I'm not going to discredit this win. TCU still beat a very good LSU team, and yeah, they did have all their three best players back, won those unlimited minutes, uh, but I don't really care about the experience as much for this TCU team. You know, the win's a win for them, and I'm very, you know, I'm very excited to see if they can continue this in Big 12 play. Um, but that's it for our surprise games and games of the week. Let's move on to our tier list. Ethan, let's talk about our tier list one. I mean, there's not much to talk about. What's going on with Auburn and Gonzaga? They're dominating. Aside from Auburn's little sketchy win against Missouri, which props to Missouri, nearly knocked off the number one team. But Auburn has looked solid the entire year aside from that. They played great basketball. Gonzaga's played great basketball. Although at this point for Gonzaga, if they don't go undefeated to add in the rest of their conference play, that's just pathetic. For for a number one team. For a number one team. Well, of course, yeah. Move well, Auburn's the new number one, but yeah, right, right. You, you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Tier one team. Yeah. Moving into tier two, John. All right. So we got UCLA, Arizona, Duke, Baylor, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Kansas, Purdue, Houston, and Villanova. So we decided to move Houston and Villanova up. Uh, eight other last nine, and Houston has just been dominating. We thought Marcus Sasser's injury was going to keep them around tier three, tier four, but they haven't lost a game in conference yet. So we're going to keep them up here. And we're kind of proud of this Houston team because you lose your best player in the middle of the season, uh, and they're managing to adapt very well. Coach Cullen Sampson's doing a good job with this team. They're adapting very quickly, and uh, I'm really excited to see what they. Uh, we also have UCLA still. They beat Arizona, uh, and we also have Arizona up here still because despite losing UCLA, UCLA is a great team, uh, and it's fine if they lose to them. Honestly, that's one game. Uh, Duke's still up here. Yeah, they've taken some losses recently, but they're still a very, very high-quality team. Uh, Baylor, I know they lost to Alabama. And we'll talk about Alabama in a second, but Baylor still Tier 2. They're one loss away, in general, from getting back down in Tier 3. Uh, they're on their last leg, but hopefully the Bears can keep it up. Kentucky's got a big win over Kansas. Shout-out to Kentucky. Wisconsin's still just dominating, per usual. Uh, Kansas, they're kind of the same situation as Baylor. They're teetering, but not as badly as them. And lastly, Purdue. Purdue's just been a great team all year. They've been fluctuating between Tier 1 and Tier 2, so we don't really expect them to move much, but we'll see. Ethan, what's going on with Tier 3? Well, Ohio State has been good. They've had their struggles throughout the year, but I think if you're Ohio State, you're going to have to have a bounce back. Like, you have a tough schedule. Because today you got Purdue. So they got to be able to come out with a nice win, which it's going to be hard, but that's what they need to happen. Yep. And then uh, you as also you have Texas Tech, who's been a big surprise team. They've dominated and they have lost in a heartbreaker this past week. You have Iowa State, who manages to keep it close to the top teams. And Michigan State, who... Aside from losing to Illinois, had a good week. Providence, who's one of the best teams, if not the best in the Big East. We'll see what happens when they play Villanova. Tennessee, who, although they just lost to Texas, they've still been very good this year. 
And moving into tier four, where John, I know you're happy about a team moving up. Uh, yeah. So Texas got a big win over Tennessee, so they get to move up to uh, tier four. Really excited to see that. Uh, USC keeps on coming down. They're at tier four now. Not really too surprised about that. And Alabama, after getting a big win against Baylor, goes up from tier five to tier four. So. Alabama, again, most inconsistent team in college basketball. I believe they're a tier two, maybe even tier one at one point. They've gone all the way down. They're coming back up. So you never really know this describes uh, this the team, but they're going to keep on doing what they're doing. Uh, Xavier, they're teetering, to be honest. They're teetering between tier four and tier five, but they're still in tier four. We're going to keep them there for now. Uh, Oklahoma has remained steady. They've, uh, they've lost a few games they shouldn't, but they're still a solid team. So we're going to keep them up here. Uh, Seton Hall, is teetering like no other. Uh, I they're they're basically a tier five team, but we don't think they're as you know we, we think they're a little bit better than every other team in tier five. So we're gonna keep them there for right now. But uh, they had they need to get some wins in order to keep on keep their spot in tier four. And UConn they've been a solid team all around, uh, getting a decent win this weekend, and you know having a really good backcourt. So they're gonna keep their spot in tier four and around now a tier five. Ethan, let's hear it real quickly. Illinois, Creighton, Oregon, Boise State, BYU, Miami, LSU, Oklahoma State. My guess is that by next time we do negatives, two of these teams will fall out of the top five. And maybe, maybe two or three of them might make it up to tier three. We'll see. Want to move into my favorite segment? Actually, maybe not. Yeah. Let's move into our negative segment. Uh, well, it's really what is going on with this team, but, you know, once every two weeks, we, we flip-flop between positives and negatives, so this week is uh, negatives. And so we're going to talk about three teams that we believe in the past month or so have uh, really not been playing some high-level basketball. So we got Seton Hall, USC, and Florida. Ethan, why did we pick Seton Hall? What What is going on with this team? Why are they playing oh. so badly? Well, in January... You have a tough loss to Villanova, but then you bounce back with Butler and you beating UConn. Problem from there, you're two and one in the start of the month. Lose to Paul, lose to Marquette. Yes, you beat St. John's, but then you get crushed by them the next game, and then you lose to Marquette. You're a team that at one point was a top fifteen team. It's not looking so good right now. Seton Hall's gonna have to be able to turn it around and it's they have a somewhat easy schedule for a little bit, and then they get into the meat of it with Xavier, Villanova, UConn again. You still have to play Creighton twice. You have to play Xavier twice. Georgetown twice should be easy enough, but Seton Hall is going to need to, at bare minimum, split the season series with Xavier, and they're going to have to beat Creighton both times. That's going to be a very tough uh, way to make the tournament, but if they can manage to... That'll be a very impressive story from Seton Hall. Um, moving on to our next team that we believe is just not been playing that well. We kind of already talked about them a little bit earlier, but we're talking about them a little more. It's USC. Um, let's just go over the last few games. So, um, starting from January 15th, they or starting from January 11th, sorry, they lost to Stanford. Not a good loss. Uh, then they beat Oregon State by 10. You're going to beat them by more probably if you're supposed to be a top 25 team. So the fact that Oregon State has won three games this season. Uh, then you lose to Oregon, which is uh, Oregon's on ranks. I get it there in the top five to start the year, but they fell off horribly. Uh, so, okay, you lost two games. Okay, then you win three in a row. 
you went sorry, you went three in a row. Um, against Colorado, Utah, and Arizona State, which means nothing because all those teams will not make the tournament. Um, and finally, you got Stanford, uh, and they lose to them again for a second time this season. They lose to Stanford, and then they beat California by seven, which you don't really want to beat Cal by seven. But, my, but the point I'm trying to make is this team hasn't beat anyone significant, and then when they play anyone somewhat significant, they lose. So they have Arizona State. Next game, then they have back-to-back Arizona, Arizona, UCLA. I don't think they're going to win either of those games. If they win one, that'd be surprised me. But frankly, I don't think this USC UC, USC team has cut it out or cut out for this year. They had a great year last year, and I don't think they're going to do that good this year. But moving on to our final team, Ethan, what is going on with Florida? Why are they on this? Why are they on this list? What what has made them deserve to be on this list? Well, really, they have. One bad loss in the month of January. It's not that they're a bad team. It's not that they've gone on a bad stretch at all. It's just you have in the month of January one, two, three, four, five losses and three wins. That's not going to work. Yes, those losses are to the likes of Alabama, Auburn, LSU. But you also have in Tennessee, and then you also have Ole Miss. That Ole Miss loss, it's not great. It's not terrible, but three and five in the month of January. It's not good, especially when the teams you're beating are Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State, as well as South Carolina. Yeah, and this is a team at one point that was uh, in the month of December ranked in the top 15. So that's been a pretty steep fall off for this Florida team. I get it. Colin Castleton's had some injury problems, but at the same time, you can't really drop off that hard and not expect to be on this list. So sucks for Florida fans, but hopefully y'all can bounce back later in the season. We're going to talk about now our uh, games of the week records. I'm really excited for Ethan to talk about this. Um, and so Ethan, why don't you jump into what happened this week in our overall records? Well, John fans and I went two and three each. I'm up on the fans, 32-18 and 18 to 31-19. and 19. And then you, with your 4-1 and one record, because Texas managed to beat Tennessee. Hook'em! Have tied up with the fans for second place. I think this was after being down, I believe, 10 games. Some I think it was like 8 or 9, but yeah. Yeah, climbed out of the hole, baby. Now we're back. Not well. Here's the thing: eight or ten, ten games early in the season. That's not bad to be down. Like it's bad, but it's not the worst. Right. It's an even playing field now, and we're right in the heart of conference season, where anything can happen. Which is my time to shine. Yeah. So we talked about the games for this upcoming week. Let's go over them real quick. Games of the week. We got Texas Tech, Texas. Uh, this game's going to be the return game, Chris Beard and Lubbock. I can't choose against my horns as much as I want to this game, um, but I'm going with the horns. I think that there's a sliver of a shot that the Texas Tech fans don't try and kill Chris Beard um, and that we can go into Lubbock and get this W. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not confident, but it, there's definitely a possibility. As for Ethan, he's taking the smart pick, uh, Texas Tech has a fiery crowd ready to kill anybody wearing uh, burnt orange. And um, I think the Texas Tech players are still going to be really riled up after their coach left. 
that's probably what's going to happen, in my opinion. But Texas can win. There, There is a possibility. But I'm, I'm still picking the Horns regardless because even if the Horns are playing the 1996 Bulls, I would still pick the Horns. So that's that's some Texas delusion right there. I think we can move on from that game. Uh, next up, we got Wisconsin versus Illinois. And Ethan's picking Illinois. I've got Wisconsin. I think I can speak for Ethan when I say that um, he's picking Illinois despite Wisconsin being a better team. Um, but, Ethan, do you have any other reasons besides you being a fan of Illinois to pick them in here? Well, I with the new COVID protocol, Corbello will be back for that game. So as long as Corbello plays like how Corbello should play, it's a close game. Because Johnny Davis and Brad Davidson are going to be alternated, guarded by Devontae Williams and Trent Frazier, who Trent Frazier is the best perimeter defender in all of college basketball, and Devontae Williams up there in the top 15, 20-ish of there. Huh. So, well, that should be a very good guard matchup because Johnny Davis and Brad Davidson. We don't talk about Brad Davidson enough on the show, despite how much people in the Big Ten are not big fans of him. Um, he's been a phenomenal player for what five years now. I mean, he's been he's had all these crazy NCAA tournament moments, and seven, you know, it's his final year. So seven, he's been playing very well this far. Seven years. Seven years. He's been in college basketball for seven years. So they, forget what I said. I mean, he's he's been here. He's been in college basketball since I've been in elementary school. So. That's absurd to me. Actually, um, I think he might have been there since 1996. Yeah, maybe he's, he's probably uh, playing against Jordan or something. I, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, no, he's he's been phenomenal for a really long time. And so I just wanted to shine, I just want to shine some light on uh, Brad Davidson because I don't think we do it enough. But moving on to our next game, we have Villanova versus Marquette. We both have Villanova here. I mean, yeah, we Marquette's a good team. They've, they've gotten some good wins this year. I'm not going to lie. But um, Villanova is Villanova. That they can win this game very easily. I mean, as long as they shut down Justin Lewis and don't let other players like Tyler Kolak have a really good game, I think this is a pretty easy dub for Villanova. Ethan, do you have anything else to say about this game? Well, they lost at home to Marquette earlier this year. You're not going to, I don't think that Villanova wants to go 0 2 against the Marquette team. I think they want to walk into Wisconsin knock down their door and get the win. And that's what they should do. Yep. Uh, and then moving on to our next game, we have UCLA versus Arizona part two. Uh, me and Ethan split this game once again. Uh, Ethan's got the Bruins. I've got the Wildcats. Ethan, why'd you choose UCLA in this game? They can just do it. They Same formula as last game. Share the ball. Don't chuck up 53s. And play good defense. You did it before. You won by double digits. Maybe Arizona figures it out, gets within the single digits. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona wins this, but as long as UCLA is competent, they should win this. Let's keep in mind, this is at Arizona now. Last one was at Poly Pavilion. We all know how crazy Poly Pavilion can get. Um, I think they're going to red out, which would be a really cool uh, spectacle to see on TV. And I think that the crowd and the noise and Arizona's anger over losing last game, pretty embarrassingly, frankly, uh, is going to propel them to a victory here. Uh, I think uh, that, honestly, UCLA kind of had a fluke game. They shot very efficiently, um, and they played very good team-oriented basketball, which they're not very proud of doing. Um, but I don't think they'll do that in this game. I think they're going to crack, and I think Arizona's going to get the get the really big home dub. Um, and for our final game, we have Baylor versus Kansas. I'm so excited to watch this game, probably even more than Texas versus Texas Tech. Um, Ethan's got the Jayhawks. I've got Baylor. Ethan, why'd you choose Kansas in this game? 
I don't think that if you're Kansas coming off of that loss to Kentucky, that you're going to be willing to lose another big game. You have Iowa State on Tuesday before it, but you're at home against Baylor. You've lost 16 games in Bill Self's career at home. Why not add another loss to Baylor's resume this year if you're Kansas? I mean, as for Baylor, you know, Ethan said there's going to be a very hungry Kansas team after their loss to Kentucky. I think Baylor's going to be hungrier after their loss to Alabama, considering the fact that they really shouldn't have lost them. Um, you know, it wasn't a, it was a tough away game for this team, and you know, I think that Baylor could have played a lot better versus Alabama in order to get that win. But I still think that Baylor has a better team. I think they're going to shut down Abaji again and Christian Braun as well. And, you know, when you shut those two down, their offense kind of falls apart, as we've seen in other games, uh, like we saw against Kentucky, actually. So I think I've got Baylor in a close one. Uh, but that'll be it for our games. Um, we had a lot of fun talking about this last week and predicting uh, next week's games. So if you want to hear more from us on all socials, make sure you follow us on Twitter at ATR Madness. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at underscore creating Madness. Make sure you follow our and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube uh, at Creating Madness and I have nothing else to say. Ethan, giving this to say before we sign off? Nope. I cannot wait. This is going to be a fun week for college basketball. We're right in the heart of conference season. We're almost there. <laughs>